This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is a free, easy-to-use creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer or even just your phone. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. You can easily monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership, and you can be making money right off the bat. It's everything you need in one place to make a podcast, and if you're thinking about getting started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everybody, welcome to Fuel Cap. Um, this is going to be the last episode until the end of the month, um, but welcome uh, Jacob DiMartino. He is a fellow RX-8 owner, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we met at a car meet, uh, both of our states, obviously, yeah. and um, I thought it'd be cool to have him on because he, he dallies his car and you have some other cool cars as well, so uh, I want to talk about yeah. that. How you been? I'm good. How have you been? Pretty good. Um, you know, just chilling. Not much to do because quarantine, but things are opening back up, so it's better. Yeah, hopefully we can get out, start having a little more meets than normal. Yeah, the last meet that I met you at was... It was fun because there were a lot of people. It got shut down in like five minutes. Like literally. yeah, it was quick. Yeah, but um, no. How's the how's the carbon treating you? I see you're in it right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's been fine. I mean, everything's running great. Okay. And just you know, you know personally with these cars, you just got to keep up with them. Yeah, that's that's a lot of the struggle is keeping up with the rotary. Yep. I mean, you got to keep up with them, but if you keep up with them, they keep up with you. Yeah, so how long have you had yours? I've had mine probably for about a little over a month now. Okay, so that's a pretty good amount of time to like get a good feeling for how, how you enjoy it as a daily. Yeah. So how do you enjoy it for a daily? I mean, it's, it's got its complications because it is a manual. Mm-hmm. So, when you're, so when you're in traffic, you know, it's a little annoying. It's not too bad, but... Yeah. Um, you know, my car's lime green, so we do get a lot of looks. Oh, for sure, everybody. But um, yeah, it's not bad. The daily's not bad. I wish it could be a little better on gas. Yes, but uh, it's not awful. No, no, it's definitely definitely not awful. But you know, you'd think out of a one point three liter, you'd get better than like six. For me, yep. at least, it's like fourteen to sixteen miles per gallon, depending on how much. Yep. Like how hard I'm driving. Same for same for you. Yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's it's one of the side the drawbacks of having a rotary though, but it's fun. It's worth it probably. Yeah, right? they are. It's they're all. I, I love rotary. Mm-hmm. These cars are. I've always loved them. Did you? So when you got this car, you wanted it because it was a rotary, or just because you like the car? Yes, just because it was a rotary. I mean, I love the car itself. I love. I've always loved RX sevens, RX eights. But uh, once I saw it was the rotary instead of like the four cylinder, sometimes they have the inline six. Yeah. Like once I heard it was Saul's rotary, I mean, that pretty much drew me right to it. Yeah, no, totally. Um, That's funny though, because for me, originally, so my first car was an Integra and kind of, you know, did did a little bit with it, but not much. Then I eventually sold that and, and I was just dailying a Ford Explorer for a while. And then I was just like, I really, really, really wanted a project car and I wanted to go rear wheel drive, not necessarily rotary. <laughs> um, so I kind of, I was looking on like Facebook marketplace, um, auto tempest, and I was just filtering like rear wheel drive. And I was like, all right, my budget's probably like 5,000 or less. Yeah. So 
I noticed like a lot of RX-8s popping up and I was like, oh, like that's that's cool. Like I don't know much about them. I know they're a rotary, but other than that, I didn't really know much else. So I looked more into it and I was like, these these cars are kind of cool. But yeah. the actual actually initially the reason I didn't go for it right away was because it was a rotary. And then I was I was like, all right, you know what? Like I want a real project car, so I'm gonna buy an RX-8, drive the rotary just to like have experienced it. And then I want to do, do an LS swap. And, you know, everyone was like that I asked or any research I did, everyone was like, like, honestly, like once you have a rotary, you're going to want to stay with a rotary. Yeah. And that exact situation happened to me. Because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> that's what I that's exactly what I was going to do. I was going to swap it right out. Once I hit a certain amount of mileage on it, I was going to swap it. Yeah. Because, I mean, we all know the sometimes provocations of when you get high mileage rotary low compression could, apex seals yeah it could go bad but um i mean i only have i think i have fifty six thousand miles on it i can actually check yeah i only have 56 so i mean oh, it's not, not too bad yeah that's wow that's really low for what year is it oh six you said oh five oh five oh okay same as mine wow yep. That's that's crazy because mine has has over double that on the body at least. The body is one hundred thirty eight thousand, and then the engine. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. all right. Um, yeah, and uh, the engine has about seventy thousand. Um, it was somewhere in the that's sixty thousand range. Yeah, I mean, most people who have had the engines go bad like said it was like around a hundred thousand but there's even yeah. it's crazy because there's people who like don't really know what they have they just drive the rx8 don't really know what it is do like the basic maintenance not even like the pre-mixing or any of that and they go up to like two hundred thousand miles like on the rx8 yeah. club forums it's just like there's so many people that are like yeah this car's lasting me like so many miles and it's crazy like it's really just you don't know. It's just a lot of maintain. You got to keep it maintained. Yeah. No. Yeah. But um. That's what that's what can get you a long way. That's what mo that's what most cars. Most cars you just got to keep it up and it'll last you for um, for a long time. Yeah. I mean, and then you get you know Hondas and Toyotas. You could do whatever too. You could just abuse it, and then much. it'll just it'll keep on going. <laughs> or Lexus is even, but that's a Toyota. But uh, but that's a completely different story. Um, so. We just talked about the RX-8, but you have two other interesting cars as well. So yes. why don't you talk a little bit about that? So I have a EK hatch. Okay. That uh, I mean, I use it for fun. You know, it's a yeah. uh, it's a Honda, so I mean, it's it's a fun car. The only thing I really did to it, it's uh, it's got coilovers, rims, tires, and uh, a trunk spoiler. Okay. So I mean, it looks good. It's not amazing. Yeah. That's more of a... Just like my fuck around car. Oh. I didn't mean to curse. <laughs> you're good. You're good, man. Um, yeah. It's like my mess around car. Yeah. No. Okay. No, that makes sense. I mean, like, it's not a rear-wheel drive rotary, so, you know. Exactly. I mean, the experience going from that to this is, like, totally different. Oh, yeah. Because I'm going from, like, this little four-cylinder to, like, you know, something that actually got some power. Yeah. And um, then, um, 
Yeah, but that's it's just kind of like my mess around car I use for fun. Yeah, no, I get that. That's like what the Integra was for me. Except the Integra was my daily. Um, so I might have I might have messed around a little too much with that and <laughs> used it more than I needed to. But uh, you know, I mean, I I kind of I kind of think like every everyone who has a Honda kind of does that anyway. So yeah, pretty much just how, just how it goes. I mean, it's the per- <laughs> did you have the the hatch before the RX eight? Yeah, so that was my daily for a little while. There you go. That's like every car guy daily to Honda at some point. Yep. Um, and then your other car sounds very interesting. Uh, open wheel yeah. race car. Yes. So I have a, do tell. I uh, so I race a open wheel race car. You know, we race at Wall Stadium, so pretty pretty local. Yeah. Not not too bad. Um. But uh. Yeah, I race circle track, okay. so it's a, big, it's a big oval. Yeah, and um, the motor I have in that, I think it's a three hundred and fifty small block. It's fully built. Wow! So it's pushing around five hundred and fifty to the wheels. Okay. I mean, it's fun. You know, it's way different than you know hopping in this and then going <laughs> into that. Yeah. Because I'm in this, and you know, it's I've six speed manual. You know, so I'm used to that. But the my open wheel car is really only two gears. Oh wow! So I have a high and a low, and then I have neutral. That's interesting. So I have neutral, and then I have high and low. So high is normally when you're going down a front stretch, and then low is normally when you go around a turn. So okay. I'm barely using my clutch. Half the time I'm not. I'm just kind of burping the gas and throwing it in gear. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't recommend doing that because. <laughs> not great but yeah that car is re- it's really fun it's it's expensive but it's really fun yeah like what how did how did that come to be um exactly because <laughs> that's not something a lot of people really do or especially around here yeah. like you go over to europe like open road racing like formula one is yeah. a huge international thing but here you don't really have much of that yeah um kind of came from generations okay so my like grandfather yeah Okay, my grandfather cool. started a long time ago, and um, and then my dad did it for a while, and then you know I kind of just started taking it over and going on from there. Sweet. So you were kind of into cars from like an early age, I take it. Oh yeah, that's cool. Ever that... since I could probably remember. Yeah. Wow. So then this car, then the open wheel car. Um, how do, like how does that work? Like, is it? based off of a like a chassis of an existing car or completely like you welded it's it it's pretty much completely its own thing okay wow like you're not really going to find a chassis the same and if you do i mean then they probably built it themselves custom made yeah but um it's it's really fun oh, i'm sure like the car and <laughs> it's a little weird cuz one side the right side tires are bigger than the left side of tires because you're going you know, left you're only turning left yeah so when you get in the car you feel like slanted it's because i mean you are <laughs> but um yeah our turns are actually 35 degrees so okay. we're pretty we're pretty slanted when we turn yeah i didn't even realize because i've been i've been to wall like a couple times when i was younger and like you don't realize yeah. like from the stands like the slant in yep. the track. I just like NASCAR. It doesn't too. look. 
Yeah, it doesn't look that crazy until you actually, you know, are on it. Even walking on it, you can tell. But when you're really mm-hmm. driving on it, you can. Like, you're kind of slanted like that for a while. But yeah, it's it's a really fun car. So how long have you had that? Uh, I started off with a four cylinder. So there's different divisions. Yeah, you know, there right. you got four cylinder, which is like I would say the beginner class. Yeah, and then you have what I have now, which is a sportsman, which is the open wheeled. So I had a four cylinder. I actually had a what was it? Chevy, uh, a Cavalier was the chassis. Oh, neat for my four cylinder. Okay. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I raced that for two years, and then I kind of got bored of how slow it was. Yeah. I wanted to go something a little faster, so then we bought the open wheel car and. That's fun. I've been racing that for I think maybe four years, so it's so, not bad. So how long have you been racing then? For for a while, that's at least six years of experience right there. Ooh. Yeah, I've been. I think the first race car I got in, I was probably like maybe six or seven. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That so is do you have do you have do you plan to have a future with that at all or kind of for fun? I right mean. Now? It's more for a fun thing. I don't see myself like going NASCAR. Yeah. But maybe like uh I'm more of the technical side of it, like the actual like how the motor runs and that's mm. what I like about it, how the motor runs and the aerodynamics and all that. So who knows, maybe one day I will be behind the walls of NASCAR building yeah, like, like as, a, the motor. as a race engineer or something. Exactly. I mean, who knows? You never know. Yeah, I mean, like, the sport's so big, there's so many, like, I was just watching um, the race on a Sunday, and I don't know if you saw, yeah. there was that crazy crash. Uh, on Pit Road? In, in, yeah, but, because yeah. uh, you don't really notice, like, yeah, there's the pit crew, but then you don't really think much about it, um, you know, like, they hop over the wall, do their thing, hop back over the wall. But then, yeah. you know, with, with what happened, they kind of focused on that a little more. And I was like, wow, there's actually, like, a lot of people involved, more than just, like, the drivers and the managers and stuff. So there, it's incredible exactly. the number of, of uh, like, opportunities there are to, to work. Even just, like, a really, like, simple job. Like, there's a need for everything. It's yeah, crazy. Like, like, uh, like the gas guy. I mean, he just puts the gas can right <laughs> in the car, and that's yeah. all he does. Yeah. But, like, every position on that team works hand in hand that's how that's why they get it so fast that's how the pit stops are so fast yeah so you know they work hand in hand yeah as fast as they can. and then with the so wait what is the um i guess league of racing that you're you're in it's called sportsman sportsman okay so how how like team oriented is that is it really just kind of up to you and whoever you have with you I mean, so we don't really have pit stops. Okay. Because, you know, we don't race that many laps. Like a typical race for us is probably between 50 and 75. So we're not going like 350 laps where, you know, we need to change tires and shit. Yeah. But um, normally it's like, uh, it's more of like a my feel. Like, if I feel something wrong with the car or if my spotter sees something wrong, like, yeah. I'm losing a tire or something, they'll let me know and be like, all right, come in for the pit. We'll do it real quick and head back out. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no way you're going 
like you're not gonna just randomly back oh oh i need new tires pull in there change four tires and go back out for 20 laps there's yeah. no real point for that yeah like but you know you will get the the flat here and there and you got to go in or mm-hmm. like, there was one time i went out for practice didn't even bother checking gas and i ran out of gas oh man so they throw me back in there and i was like oh, oops <laughs> oops yeah no that's so it, is it a high level of competition with it or what's the experience very kind of like? very, very high very wow i mean okay. there's some people there that are will do anything to win they mm-hmm. will shove you in the wall if they need to wow like there's people like that but then you have people kind of like me and a few other people where we're just there kind of just to do it for fun i'm not there to make a buttload of money yeah based on your position you will make money oh neat but i'm not i'm not going there trying to win thousand dollars or something like i'm just going there to have fun no totally totally understand that i mean there's people out there that will do anything to win I'm sure. And and those people probably do you think they're in it for the money or because they won't have a future with racing? Yeah. For the money. They're in it for the money. There's a lot of people out there. Like uh there's this one racer, his name's Blewett, that's his last name. He uh he owns a lot of racing companies, but he also mm-hmm. races himself and he'll do anything to win. He'll spin you out and throw you in the wall and we'll have no problem with it. Wow. So then, there if if crashes are that common, even in like this low level racing, like I guess safe, safety. Well, I mean, all racing safety is a huge priority, but I'm imagining oh, especially yeah. with open wheel. Yeah, we need a you know you need a five point harness, you need the Hans device, you get a neck brace, you know you need a helmet, you need your fire suit, gloves, wow. shoes. Yeah, so it's the real. But deal. um, I've been I've been in a few accidents, but uh. I think I got on the easier side the most than some people I've seen. Like, I've seen some people hit the wall, you know, they break a foot or something. Mm, yeah. But uh, luckily, thank God, I've never broken a bone or gotten seriously injured in any of them. Mm-hmm. The I think the worst thing was um, I – it was actually the first race of the season, and a guy put me right into the wall right out of the corner. So I, you're pretty much full throttle right out of the corner. Mm-hmm. So he put me right in the wall, and we do a five-point harness, and you know there's one for the guys. There's one by your, your yeah. junk. <laughs> and I hit the wall so hard that it basically pulled it up and, like, oh, man. Hit, hit my nuts, and, and I couldn't. I lost my breath. That was probably one of the worst Ooh, that's not fun. feelings. No, that's and um, there was another one where I was going to avoid a wreck in front of me, so – you know, I just turned the wheel to go down the infield, and this guy just didn't even bother hitting his brakes. So he went full speed right in the side of me. And luckily, I had my foot on the brake mm-hmm. instead of the clutch because if my foot was on the clutch, he hit the car so hard, it actually snapped the clutch pedal on the oh, inside wow. of the car. That's yeah, insane. so thank God my foot wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> it would, that would have been, been bad. So... I mean, there, obviously there must be like a huge adrenaline rush, but um, oh, yes. is it, do you get like scared or like nervous before a race? Always. A you little, always get little... those the little jitters, the butterflies right before you go out there because you never know what can happen. Yeah. You're out there and you never know. A car can 
basically drive on top of you because we're open wheeled. So, I mm-hmm. mean, tire over a tire, you can fly. In, there's woods right behind it. Like, there's a big fence, but there's woods. Right. You never know. You can go through that fence and go in the woods and your car could explode. You never know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you always right. get the. You always get the butterflies before you go out there, but normally maybe a lap or two in, I'm more focused on the driving than thinking about what's exactly going to happen. Yeah, but then when you do see an inevitable crash coming up, uh, then like what kind of goes through your head? Uh, normally, race room. I mean, a lot of the time it kind of turns it down to like slow motion. Like, oh yeah, your brain's kind of just like, okay, what do I do? And you know, I'm a I think I have pretty quick instincts. Like, if, because there's a trick. You never look at the car in front of you when you're racing. You look like five cars in front of you mm. because you want to see what's going to happen up there. So, say it does, a wreck does happen, I you're, still have see it five cars to react. Yeah. So, I mean, some, you know, you get those sometimes like, wow, that was a close one. Actually, driving right before about, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, you know, I'm driving normally and a groundhog comes flying out of the woods. So, you know, my reactions, I had to fly out of the way. I mean, it does, same thing kind of happens with racing. You know, someone spins out, you got to move quick to, you know, get around. But there's been some times where, like, they wreck right in front of you and you have nowhere to go. You're just part of the wreck then. you You just have to hit them. At that point, you can either turn the wheel and hope the backside of the car hits them because the worst thing you can do is go head on with someone it's one the worst pain too you know the motor's there you don't want to mess that up Mm -hmm. yeah there's a certain level of looking out for the other car as well yeah yes like you know i don't go out there thinking oh i don't like this guy i'm gonna purposely (laughs) wreck him and make him get hurt like I would never do that because I know I know how it feels. So like you know, the first race of the season, I was out. I got crashed. I got hit into that wall, and I was out for the next like two, three weeks. So I know how it feels. Yeah, because that's kind of stuck. One crash is, is tons of like man hours, and then tons of money as well. Exactly. Exactly. Thank yeah. God, um, a lot of the drivers are really close. So. Um, you know, if you ever really need, like, really you're desperate and you really need something, you could always go around and ask someone, hey, you got to spare this, you got to spare that. And most of the time they'll be cool with it and they'll be like, yeah. So, so. Is, is there, like, a regulation for, like, the, the setup, like, engine and, and the actual, like, yes. car? Okay. So there's, there's, like, a then there's a lot of common cool. cars then. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'll get these some, some people that will kind of – move their way around the regulations a little bit to get a little faster, but they won't catch it. You know, mm-hmm. there's some things. I got my motor, um, I got it redone. We got it rebuilt every year. Yeah. So I got it redone, and the guy put an illegal camshaft in it. Oh. And I, I didn't I didn't know. So, we, you know, there's this thing that we have to go through in the beginning of the year, and they basically inspect your entire car. Yeah. From the nose to the bumper, they'll inspect the entire thing, seats, belts, everything. And uh, they told me that, and I was like, "Well, that's weird." So then I went back to the guy, and you know, it was a it was a big commotion. Finally, ended up getting it fixed, and wow. basically so started. That, that's out. that's a complete rebuild, though. Yep. To just get the camshaft out and put in the correct one, that's insane. Pretty much. Wow, that's a lot. Of I mean, I it got to the point where I was like, "I'm not paying anyone to do it." You did it yourself. Yeah, me and my uh, me, and my dad, and my grandfather did it. That's cool. Yeah. 
took a couple of days, but I was like, I can't, it, I couldn't afford to do it again. I'd be paying for two motor rebuilds, just a chance of maybe he'll mess it up again. So why did he put in the the camshaft that he did? Because he wanted to, like, give you an Pretty edge, much he right? wanted, yeah, he wanted us to, you know, kind of give it more power, pretty much. Okay. And, but we ended up, he actually didn't think about it too much, and we ended up getting caught and yeah. having to redo all of it. So what would the benefit of him giving you more power have been? Is he, like, a sponsor for you? So, like, if, if you're doing better, that means... Yeah. Okay. So, so sponsorships a is a pretty big thing then with, with even at this level. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have sponsors, you're probably not going to make it too far because wow. it, it's a lot. Even tires, just tires themselves are a lot of money. Oh, because like, one race, yeah. they're probably done, right? Yeah, you'll get maybe one to two races depending on the condition of the track and everything. Yeah. But it's it gets challenging and I think... You'll probably hear this by a lot of people if you ask other people that race. The hardest part about racing is not even the racing. It's the weather. It's the heat. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm, I'm in sure. this car. I got Yeah, I have a helmet. I have thermals, gloves, a suit. Like, we raced one day in, like, 90-something degree weather, and I got out of the car, and, like, you're pouring sweat. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when it, you're driving the car, though, is that even – do you feel, like, hot? Or is it just your focus on driving? You don't notice until you're done. Pretty much, you don't notice until there's a caution or anything because you're so focused, like your body's kind of just like shutting everything out. Yeah, and you're just kind of focused on this. But like, you know, if uh, if a caution comes out, and you know, you're driving slow, that gives you time to think, and, and you're like, oh man, start <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I've never. So the only racing experience I have is like go karts, indoor indoor go karting, <laughs> which uh, uh, it was fun. Um, I mean, definitely like. A first racing experience i think indoor go-karts is a pretty safe low speed kind of uh way to get into it but um it's it's pretty wild because so i was at rpm raceway and the way i don't know if it's always like this but they had like there's the building is giant and then one half was one track and the other half was the other and on the other track i actually saw even though I don't know if this is like a, a real term, but they're like semi open wheel. Like they have the um yeah, they the, got the bumper like the, that around the whole wheels. Yeah. But yeah. I actually saw um someone somehow ended up on top of another go kart. And like even yep. even going like slow like that, like I think they maybe hit forty miles an hour. And yeah. you're not even going faster. It can get dangerous. Like I used to race um like little go karts too, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that that's more scary going like I don't know eighty in those things. That's more scary than going like a hundred and something in my big car because there's nothing around you. You don't have yeah the ground. Over your the ground head. is right there. That like yeah, you can touch the ground right there, and that's that was probably the scariest thing I've ever driven because I mean you have no protection. You're mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, they come and hit you. you they might even hit they might just hit your body they might not even hit your cart yeah no and like i watch a lot of formula one so i know uh in 2018 they introduced the halos which yep now the halos do it's insane they're so light but they're so strong they actually like 
there's been cases like I've seen tires roll over the halo and just just miss the driver. If the halo wasn't there, yeah, the driver would have been but like, hit. Thank God they came up with something like that because God forbid, like a tire or something comes and flies and hits you in the head. You're, I mean, you're probably getting knocked out and who knows even worse. Yeah, no, but it's crazy going back looking at old Formula One or like IndyCar even and just seeing it open like nothing else in front of the driver's exactly. head. And it's like, wow, like that takes some serious like bravery to, to get in a car yeah. and go those speeds. Yeah, like that just that blows my mind. And that's even with a lot of sports. Like you got football, they never used to wear pads or helmets. Yeah. You got hockey, they didn't goalies didn't wear face masks and they're slapping a puck at you like you know, baseball yeah. didn't wear helmets. Mm-hmm. You think back, like no one really wore helmets. Like uh Dale Earnhardt that died at uh what what did he die at Daytona? Um I forget. I can't remember. I think it's Daytona or Talladega, one of them. I know it's one of the big tracks. Well, they didn't have neck braces back then. That's no. how we died. Um, my girlfriend's dad is like huge into NASCAR. He he was a huge fan of Dale, and um, he read his autobiography. And a lot of a lot of it was about all the concussions he had. He would literally, yep. he wouldn't even like he wouldn't tell anyone he had concussions. He would keep it a secret. He would just know because based off his past experiences with them. And he'd walk through the okay. shop and he'd stay, he would stay next to like a toolbox or something to hold himself up. Cause he was just so dizzy constantly that he couldn't even stand on his own. I know. Like, it's just like, you got to think like the protection levels are insane now. Like they're way better. You know, I feel like now we're actually caring more for the people that are doing it than the cars themselves. Mm-hmm. Cause if you think, I don't know. Way back then, cars were their cars were made out of metal and steel, and like like they wanted their cars durable. Yeah, yeah. And then now, I mean, cars you have cars made out of like aluminum and stuff like that. Like, it just kind of blows my mind of how we switched from protection of the cars to now the actual people themselves. Mm -hmm. But uh, going off that, there's also. More recently, I think this has been discussion on like Twitter, um, and the difference between uh, inner safety with cars and outer safety. So like, like if you get a brand new suburban, that's an extremely like safe car, like inner safety wise, because you can get into a crash and you probably won't even have a bruise or a scratch. But yeah. the thing is that if depending on if you crash into another car that's a lot smaller, older, without as much safety, that driver is most likely going to be, like, very injured. And, you know, like, you, me, like, car people, like, we don't only like new cars, we also like old cars. Like, I love old cars. Like, my friend has a Miata, and it's just, like, if a newer, like, SUV or something hits him, like, he's probably dead or seriously injured. Yeah, he'll get seriously hurt. That's... That's that is very scary because you know yeah. they have trucks now. It's like, you know, let's just say a Ford Raptor. You know, really nice truck. It's very, it's really durable. You know, it. And then I'm in this with like the height difference. Like my window is probably like at this front grill. That thing keybones me. Yeah, I'm, I'm screwed. It's, yeah, no. It, I mean, RXH though do have very good safety ratings, but yes, up against cars yeah. nowadays, it's you don't really have a chance. Or like, you know, let's say some like big diesel comes and hits me. Like I'm probably right at their front grill. Cause 
Yeah. So my car is just. I think my car is just a little lower than yours. Uh, because you have, you have springs or or coils. Yeah. Right? Okay. I have springs. So. Yeah. I I have yet to go low. I'm still waiting for the BC racing coilovers to go back and stop. Yeah. I would wait. <laughs> yeah. But um, no. Uh, but then like the argument for cars with better outward safety would be an old car where the driver knows if they get an accident they're injured so just kind of by nature the driver is more attentive to his surroundings and generally will drive in a safer manner even in, like if they're like, speeding or driving fast i think if someone who's who can drive fast the right way like like you you race so you would know and you could yep. be driving fast and then like your passenger might feel unsafe but like you're in control and you know that you're paying attention to exactly. all the right things I mean, with my girlfriend all the time, we're on the parkway, and, you know, I mess with her a little bit, and I'll go a little fast, and, you know, she's she's uncomfortable. She drives a Jeep Cherokee, so, like, she's not really used to speed. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going, I'm, like, going fast, and she's uncomfortable. I, I tell her, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Like, sometimes it might not seem like it, but mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, I've never actually really thought about that, about, the difference in safety levels between you know newer cars and older cars yeah no uh, there was um so there i follow a lot of automotive journalists because that's like i mean you're on a podcast right now like that's just kind of like what i'm into automotive journalism so uh <laughs> this one that i follow he has um what does he have he has like a little yugo like tiny tiny car and he was driving with his with his son and he lives i think he lives in long island so drivers out there like are aggressive oh, oh yeah and he had some guy on a bridge where there's barely any like space to pull off if like he needed to and i think i think it was a suburban or some sort of truck that was passing a car like one like went over the line to pass someone and was like head on going to hit him and he had enough space to like duck out of the way but then like that's what actually like made him think about it he wrote an article about like the inward and outward safety how yeah. the guy in the truck would have been fine but he wouldn't they have were. been yeah. and then like he was like if i wasn't dri if i wasn't driving this car and had to be like aware of my surroundings as much as i did he probably wouldn't have been able to avoid the crash exactly yeah it's like really interesting um and that kind of goes like with like driverless cars i think That's... um the only way that i see driverless cars to be on the road without any issues is for like the government to make it illegal to drive your own car because that way all the driverless cars would communicate with each other and not even have there wouldn't be stop signs or stop lights or anything but like that's you know no, who wants that? Like yeah. everybody wants to drive their own car. Exactly. Like, and then you know you have people like us, people that are in the cars. Like we want, we want to drive our cars. We want to be able to get that status. I get, like, I don't know if it's just me, but I get like a satisfaction of driving my own car. Like, yeah. like when you know I'm going from like first, second, third. Like I and like feeling the gears, feeling it, getting gear, and feeling the car's power move. I get like a satisfaction from it. Mm -hmm. And I've always been against electric cars. Like, I've always been against... Like, I've driven... I drove a Tesla. Like, and, you know, my honest opinion, they're not that great. It's like a normal car. 
Yeah, and just just silent. <laughs> exactly, and like, who? What's the fun in that? You know, we all like loud cars. Like, we want our cars loud, and we want the bangs. Yeah. And then, but like, who knows? Know. Like, my say, my great 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 grandkids, they won't ever experience that. Mm-hmm. They won't ever experience what a car actually sounded like. Yeah. Because everything then could just be a press of a button, and you type in where you want to go, and it takes you there. But I actually I wrote an article for my blog um, not too long ago, kind of about this, and something I said was I, I was taking into consideration like coronavirus. So yeah. obviously, like there was the government kind of made businesses shut down, put a curfew, and people still had the freedom to take their own car and drive it if they wanted to, but let's say let's say we were in the future and driverless cars were like dominating the road and then there was another pandemic and then they made curfews and like you know you can't travel and stuff then they could easily just you have a driverless car you could just put a restriction on it that doesn't even let you go out and that literally takes away your freedom so like the fact i almost view driverless cars as more freedom restrictive than like driving your own car because it it, you're really limited like you can't go off-roading in a driverless car like how do you how do you do that you can't exactly so there's just so much that i don't think personally in my lifetime i would ever be in support of driverless cars but yeah, I don't. I, I, th- I don't see myself supporting it either. Yeah, but I think that it's inevitable, and that sounds like really cliche, but I think like eventually there will be a time where driverless cars will dominate the road. But I don't necessarily think that we'll ever see like driver like centric cars being banned because I, I don't think like yeah. there's too much of a demand for drivers. And I don't think that'll ever go away. Yeah, and like, just think about how many jobs that's gonna get rid of. So I mean, many. like, not even just saying like New York City. How many taxis do you see? They're all over the place. That's yeah. how people make their living. And then you have like Uber and Lyft. Like, that's people make living out of that. Mm-hmm. DoorDash. Yeah, like people make a living out of that, and then say you just get rid of it, and then like like there's hotels even hotels i've been to and they have the little robot that comes and brings you your food and stuff i've never even seen that i didn't know that was a thing yeah it's like a little robot and uh it brings it up to the door like it's it's crazy it brings it up to your door and then it's like a little like latch and you press a button and it opens it up and like there's your food and it's like <laughs> what? like it's, it's just crazy to me and like you'll see them they just go around the whole hotel just like it's like um you know those automatic vacuums where you can just press a button and they go? Yeah, like the, the uh, Roombas. Yeah, it's just like that. But wow. a robot that brings you food. That's, that's I don't know. I, just this automation thing is like, the fact that like there are people yeah. who will have like the, the butt end of it is just, it's just very unfair. And yeah. I mean, I think as a society, like the younger generation is more heading towards jobs that uh, won't be replaced by something, but I also think there's also a lot of existing jobs that will be replaced, and what's going to happen to those uh, people? 
I mean, like, what's going to happen when you have, you know, the 30, 40-year-old men working in the mechanic shops? They don't know how to work on electric cars. I don't know how to work on electric cars. Yeah. So, like, they're either going to have to learn or they're going to get fired and replaced by someone, Mm -hmm. some young kid that knows how to. Yeah. Like, if someone came up to me with a Tesla and they're like, Oh, something's going wrong. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's wrong with it. Can you help me? I'm going to tell them. Like, I have no clue even how this thing works. Literally, like, it's all software. Like, all software. Yeah, exactly. And I can't, I, it's not like I could pull a computer out of my back pocket and, like, <laughs> plug it in and start looking things up. Like, yeah. now, if you ask me, if you have, like, uh, a normal car, like, say, you have a Honda Civic, mm-hmm. right? You ask me, oh, this is happening. I could probably look at it and I could, might be able to tell you what's wrong with it. Cause it's a, yeah. I like to call it a regular car. Like it's an actual that's regular what it is. car. Yeah, it's a regular car. I mean, but it's not like a robot. Yeah. No. I mean, it, you know, in those terms, like even a rotary is a regular car. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we do, you do get the people that are kind of like, what the heck is this <laughs> when they look at it? Cause like you open our engine bag. And you see it, it's the motor's like the, this, this exactly <laughs> the motor can fit in my front seat. Literally, is that small? Like and with the accessories too. Exactly, with everything, I could take it out and put it right in my front seat and be like, okay. It, it's so light. With everything, it weighs two hundred twenty yes. pounds. Like yeah, nothing crazy for a motor. Yeah, I'm not exactly how sure our cars weigh fully. Um, I think it's. A, I don't know. Actually, I thought. I think it's around like twenty six hundred, twenty eight hundred. Uh, RXC. Wait. Let me look it up. Uh, oh wow, that's heavier than I thought. Uh, three thousand sixty four to three thousand one hundred eleven pounds. That's but, not bad. That's that's actually not that bad. That's well, that's actually a two thousand eleven. Let me put in two thousand five because it could be different. Okay, it went down three thousand twenty nine to three thousand fifty three. Yeah, and just think, two hundred of that is our motors. Yeah, that's it. So the rest of the car, say with no motor, is like pretty close to what I said. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm all for like like power to weight ratio. I'm all for that because that's what makes a car fun. I feel like, like you could have a Hellcat, but. To me personally, like I don't like it's going a in a straight line. Yeah, it drives like a boat. It's a boat. It goes in a straight line, it's, and then you're done. Exactly. They're too heavy. Like that's why I like our cars. I can. I, my friend has a uh, an old Cougar. Okay. And uh, he has a four point six in it, and um, you know he take he can take turns going thirty, you know forty, mm-hmm. as I'm taking turns going fifty or sixty. Yeah. Is that's what our cars are meant for. Our cars are light and they're meant for, you know, flying around corners. Yeah. But, um, and then I, I have a buddy who's got, um, I don't know if you ever saw it. It was at the, it was at the meet we met at. It was a purple charger. It's probably the loudest um, thing there. Or the, uh, no, or no, the purple I think I missed it. There was a purple Mustang too. I mean, and those cars, like, like we, we would drive out to meets together and they're going like, 30 around a turn and I just go on the outside and I go 50 around them. Yep. Because, you know, they're both straight line cars. Yeah. And even going around the outside, you can still get around them. Exactly. I mean, that's why I don't don't ever see myself buying like a 
charger or challenger i don't because i mean they're they're nice cars like if someone offered me a hellcat like for free i'm gonna take it oh of course i mean, I mean who's not yeah but having that much power is, is fun like you can't deny like power is fun but like you know it's only fun up to a certain point exactly it's only fun for straight lines i mean you're gonna go on a straight line really fast really loud and that's it yeah, your fun's over in like what twelve seconds? <laughs> Less. Exactly. And if we go on, if we go on like an actual road course, I'll I'll lap you three times because you're gonna take turns going twenty, and yep. I'm gonna take turns going forty. Exactly. But um, yeah, so we're coming up on our time here. Um, is there any questions you had for me? Anything that you wanted to talk about in specific? Uh, I mean, how do you like driving rotary daily? Uh, I actually don't daily mine. I did for almost almost two months. Um, uh, when I did, when I was daily, so I had the Explorer as my daily. That blew up for the second time, and I wasn't doing another engine swap. Uh, so I daily the RX eight um, in the winter. I daily that. Wow. I daily How that. How did you react to the How was in the winter? Yeah uh not great so i drove it i drove it i think the end of december and then like into february um and or maybe even into march i forget but those are some of the coldest months of the year and letting the car like having to let the car warm up because it's a rotary was so much worse because like it's cold out you know yeah um yeah but uh the worst part for me when I was dialing it was letting it warm up because usually I like to be able to get in and go and that just added an extra like 10 minutes to like my, my, my routine before leaving. Like my parents, they always say, cause like when I, you know, I start up in the morning, you know, I give it a couple revs so it warms up a little quicker mm -hmm. and uh, they're like, Oh, you're revving the car so much. <laughs> but like, you know, they don't realize you kind of have to in a manual. You want everything to be a little warm before you start moving. Yeah, no, exactly. You um, don't want it bone cold because, you know, messes up your transmission. And mm -hmm. I find it personally, I find it harder to shift when it's when, you know, it's all freezing cold. Like, no, nothing's warm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, when on really cold days. The shift, the shifter would be so stiff, like yeah, it's it would like actually super take stiff force like, to like get it into gear. Yep. Like, um, do you you have a standard shift, right? It's just a standard pattern. You don't yeah, have like a short throw? standard H pattern. Yeah, no, no short shifter or anything. Yeah, well, um, I ended up putting a short shifter in this, so like when I actually shift now, you know, I I mean, I got to give it a little push, but like when it's cold out, like and you really gotta shove it forward because i've had uh i've had my ek hatch for probably like a year or two mm -hmm. so you know i'm used to like driving the manual in the cold and you know you go from driving an automatic where you can start it and basically leave yeah you're driving a manual where you have to start it and wait what i used to do is i used to start it go do what i gotta do and then come back out and it's warmed up by then yeah, pretty much. But so I I park in the garage now because uh, before winter came, I cleared out my garage. It's like there's barely any space for a car, but I cleared enough out for the RX-8. <laughs> and it would just be like it, sometimes, some mornings, like when I was dealing, or even some mornings when I know I want to take the car out, 
it's like i probably should go out and like back it out and let it warm up and then like go in and finish what i'm doing but it's just like i i hate having to like go squeeze in the in the car because like the garage yeah. is very narrow and i hate having to like squeeze in and then back it out and then go back inside so sometimes sometimes like yeah. i'll only let it warm up for like a little bit like i'll wait for the needle to move and then i'll like i'll granny yeah. shift for for a few miles yeah yeah. Um. One more question: How do you feel about the reverse in your car? Um. So I need engine mounts, and sometimes when I go into reverse, it doesn't actually engage, and like you, like you could feel it. So you experience the same thing. Yep. Yeah. First time. And then you'll let off the clutch, and it makes that obnoxious noise. The grind. Yeah. Um. Yeah. When I test drove it before I bought it, that happened. And I was like, uh oh, like, like, what was that? And then he was just like, oh, I don't know. And then, like, I did it again, and I was like, oh, well, I think I know what it is because the the Integra did the same thing. So I, I was like, it's probably it needs engine mounts or something. And my my hatch, my uh, my EK did the same thing, but almost in like every year, <laughs> it like you had to really push it in gear for it to actually go, and um. Yeah, I actually bought that EK hatch for like 200 bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah, because uh, they impounded it and it was on one of their auctions and I was like 300 bucks. Or I, I don't know if I bought for two or three, but I mean, it had quite a bit of miles on. It had, I think, 150 when I bought it. Mm-hmm. So it's not awful. I'm at like 170 because I used to daily drive that thing a lot. But, yeah. um,. And then I bought this, and I thought, like, you know, I don't really know exactly what I want to do to this car yet. I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to go more of a track style or more of a, I guess you can say, car meet style. Yeah, more more show-off-y kind of, right? Yeah, more like, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, my next purchase is I'm getting a, I'm getting a tune on it. So it will have like the pop and the bang. What tune? Because I was thinking, uh, long term, I want to do RX seven engine swap and do a single turbo setup. But in the meantime, to hold me over, I I did want to get a tune. So what are you going with? It it took me a long time to find something. Yeah. Now, the best option that I found is actually a Cobb tune. Do they still? So, I thought they don't sell the access ports anymore, though. They don't, but if you look hard enough on the website, you'll still find some. So I actually found one just for. It's not even like just for my model. It's just Mazda in general. Oh. Okay. So it actually will just tune any Mazda. So like you can get like you know a Mazda three, six, RX seven, RX eight. You can actually use that. So, you know, I'm going a little pricey, but I mean, besides that, the only thing I found was like on eBay for like 250 bucks. Yeah, no, don't, don't, don't do that. I don't, I just don't trust it, you know, especially with no. my for type of engine. I don't anything that says it's tuned for under 500 bucks scares me because me too. just like based off of like knowledge and what I've seen, like it nothing works for cheap like if you're tuning your car you want to do it do it right you might you might even like break your ecu and then that's a whole that's a whole computer that you need yep 
Yep. Which sucks. Yeah. But no, that's that's cool. You gotta let me know how that goes. Yeah, definitely will. Um but before we wrap up, is there anything that you wanna promote or like shout out or anything? I mean anyone can follow me on Instagram. It's just Jacob dot Martino. Um this guy is really cool. I appreciate you having me Thank on you. the podcast. Yeah, thanks. And, um, you know, if anyone's out there and they're trying to look to get into the car community, none, we're all, we don't shame anyone. Unless you drive a Mustang, then you might get a little hate. <laughs> Crowd but, killer. You know, we bring, we bring everyone in. I remember I was like 15, 14 years old, and I was like, damn, I need a really nice car to get in it. I drove a I drove a stock Honda Civic and people still came up to the car. So Listen, I mean, getting into the car community is all about the people you know, the connections you make, and that's like why I did this podcast. It's literally supposed to be any if you don't know where to start getting into the car community, listen to this podcast. We have all sorts of people on you 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 know, you have cars that you just like to build and drive and I have photographers on. So it's just a really great way to kind of get an overall idea of what the car community is really like. And once you find yeah, out, it's, it's really an, friendly. It's an it's, amazing thing. Yeah. It's an amazing thing that you're doing. I mean, uh, like you're bringing pretty much everyone together to show that the car community is not as bad as what people make it to seem, you know, exactly. But like how they call them Karens or whatever you want to <laughs> call them. Like, and, and some even some cops like they make they make the car community look really bad like we're trying to you know wreck the streets and everything we're not we're just trying to have fun we're trying to hang out and that's why i mean sometimes i wish the cops would just take a step back and think like what are they actually doing wrong i mean mm-hmm. crowding a parking lot and maybe revving a little bit isn't anything too bad i mean burnouts i mean you're doing a burnout i mean <laughs> no you know yeah, just it's, it's, it's really cool what time. you're doing yeah all right well on that note um like i said earlier in the show uh this is the last podcast until july 30th and then july 30th i'm having my friend joey dunzelman on so make sure to stay tuned for that and in the meantime go listen to some old episodes (laughs) because i won't be here for a while so uh yeah thanks everybody for tuning in